how are we? What's how are we? We're good. Because now we have started to spookily decorate oh, yeah. our places. Mm-hmm. Very and excited. It might be a heat wave here in California, like 90-something degrees, high of 92. The other day was 100 mm-hmm. in Santa Monica. But I am drinking hot coffee with... Hey, me too. You guys, if you have not used <gasps> this pumpkin spice seasoning or pumpkin pie spice seasoning from Trader Joe's, it will change your life. Love. Oh, shoot. I should, I'm not going to I'm not gonna interrupt the recording to go scurry off and, and grab my pumpkin spice, but that's a great idea. Yeah. Do you put anything else in it? Like maple syrup or something? Nope. Sometimes I do cinnamon. Still sounds, sounds great. Also, a sustainability uh, tip for everybody. Mm-hmm. Those Trader Joe's spice bottles, they're glass. They're beautiful. So when I'm done with them, I soak the label off and then I remove the little, like, little plastic shaker thing. And I use them in my kitchen. I mean, my bathroom. They hold all of my hair ties, my bobby pins. That's so smart. Because they fit in a medicine cabinet really well or that just laying down really flat in a bathroom smart. cabinet. Start saving them. And then they look good. Like they look aesthetic. They do. I actually recently, because Trader Joe's has like the dressings. And I, mm-hmm. whenever I finish them, when I make dressing at home, I'll just like make a larger vat of it and pour them into the bottles. Mm, that's also a great idea. Look us. I know. Innovators. You know what's so funny is I feel like we've reached that age where <laughs> aesthetically pleasing organization is yes. like the biggest. Like I have, ch- I just, wow, I got emotional. My body just got chills. <laughs> I, we've reached that age where like that is the biggest. I'm seriously chills. It's oh the biggest, God. like, <laughs> it's a turn on. It like makes me so happy. It is just like, it's life. It scratches the itch in your brain. It scratches that place in your brain really yeah. perfectly. Also, yeah. I think we're just getting older. Yes, and are. so things that we never thought would affect us. Sorry, I just touched my – I wiped my snot, <laughs> put it through my hair, and then started scratching my chin. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm already overheating. Um, Same. But I think we're getting to the point where the things that we never thought we would say or care about are happening. Like oh. I wake up and my my bones hurt. Like things, <laughs> things like that where – I mean, I've started to do some yoga, but I I – there's just like moments where I'm like, why is this happening to me? What's going on? And I had a similar moment to you, Sabrina, where you're talking about like the realization that organization is really important. This Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. Brian and I went up and saw Jill from HR, my old roommate Hello. Jill. Yeah. We went up to Kennebunkport and stayed at her house with her family, um, her older brother, his wife, and then her fiance, Wes. And Wes and Jill and me and Brian went out and we're having drinks and waiting for our table at dinner. And it was allowed. We were at Tides for anyone who is familiar with Kenny Bugport, like this spot the locals go. Um, but we were all sitting there drinking our espresso martinis and our watermelon, what have you, all these fruity drinks. Mm-hmm. And it's allowed. So me and Jill are speaking on one side. Brian and Wes are speaking on the other. We can't hear each other's conversations, really. Like we're one-on-one. And then all of a sudden, at the same time, we realized both parties said something about appliances. And we look and we're like, what are you guys <laughs> talking about? And both of us were talking about the importance of a good washer dryer, which we were, I mean. we all just got quiet and we were like, this is depressing. <laughs> Why are we like this? <laughs> it, and like out at a bar where you're kind of like, well, we could go home soon. Let's talk about washers yes. and dryers. Yeah. I. It is life-changing though. Having a washer and dryer in unit, it's the yeah, it also is a nice change and feels like a a moment in life that you know I didn't realize yeah. that I would have that be like a goal in my life. But then once I achieved it, I was like, oh my god, there's no going back. It, 
right? That's the, that's how, that's success. That's the pillar of, of success right now in this moment for us you is having a washer and dryer. What else is success? So Nick was out of town this past weekend for Labor Day weekend and I reorganized mm-hmm. my entire room and then truly like, mm. I like had a productive day. I was reading, I was doing things, I worked out and then I like volunteered and then it was like 8 p.m. and I was just like, yes, I'll go to bed now. And it was <laughs> the best. I just went, I like, I drank my little beam, which is like the, you know, sleepy time stuff. And yeah. I went to bed at 8.30 and I was just like, mm. I could live this life. I'm okay with this life and I'm yes. very content and this brings me joy. Retirement to life. To that, <laughs> do you have any interest in uh, what's it, like crocheting? I always use the wrong word, but yes, crocheting. Oh my god! I always say needlepoint, but I know it's wrong, but crocheting. Do you have any interest in that? I don't, but I have recently gotten, I've been drawing a lot and like, I really want to start painting. Mm. Oh, oh my gosh. Wait, I already told you about this person, but you have to follow her. She's one of my new favorite artists. New to me, she's been around for, she already has quite the following and name yeah. for herself. Lauren Pemberton. She, oh, her new, her new print release is September 15th. I have it on my calendar. I'm waking up at the I'm, crack of dawn. Okay, I'm, I'm waiting to buy following. these prints. Okay. I saw someone posted on TikTok some of her prints and was like, oh, this, this artist makes me feel so good. And I was looking at these prints and I was like, man, this really reminds me of growing up in Vermont. This looks like my childhood in Vermont. And then I went to her Instagram because I was like, oh, I'm going to follow this artist. She's from Vermont. So I'm like even more obsessed because I'm like, this is my opportunity to buy my childhood in the form of prints. But her artwork, there's just something so What is her Instagram? Something so familiar. Oh, it's L-O-R-E-N, Lauren Pemberton. P-E-I. love her. Yes. I'm pretty sure I that's her name. Hmm. Did you find her? No. I found okay. a lawyer. Nope. I got to reach for my <laughs> my phone. We're going to figure this out. This is important. I can't shout someone out and incorrectly yeah. say their name. And so now I want to know. That might be on me. The one you posted on our Instagram yesterday was really cool too. The ghost, like the Dunder Mifflin ghost. Oh, so, okay. So someone posted, someone commented on our Instagram that we posted of... Two episodes ago, when you covered the haunted painting, we posted pictures of it on yeah. Instagram. And one of our listeners had commented and said, have you guys heard of this artist? And so I clicked on the page. That's how I found that. And another one of our listeners. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I did incorrectly say this woman's name. Okay. L- Lorraine Pemberton. L-O-R-E with an apostrophe. Sabrina, I'm DMing oh, okay, perfect. you a photo in her feed so that you can find her quickly. Amazing. And then the one but, that we... Oh, beautiful. And the other one that I was just talking about that Corinne posted on our Instagram is Laura's Beating Art, which is... Love that name. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of art, we should introduce our yes. our backgrounds and, and whatnot. But also, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. <gasps> Two Girls, One Ghost. <laughs> Oh my god! It's gonna take us a while to find that. I also was just in. laughing about our conversation we were just having. I'm like, we are the most boring, lame, old farts ever. No, everyone, <laughs> DM us your favorite washer, dryer, and appliance recommendations. <laughs> if you have any artwork you like, let us know. Any cool hobbies? <laughs> and if you want to send us you at 8 p.m., if you want to send us some canes and like walkers to our PO box, it seems like we're gonna be yes. needing those soon. Okay, but it's cozy season, and oh, these are cozy things to talk yes, about and cozy right. activities. Yes. 
Yeah, we Should are we a bunch of yes. Our, let's do it. Our backgrounds. Okay, okay, so in preparation for the month of October, yep. in October we've decided we are going to record our episodes in the dark. So our editors might hate us. We might look really dumb and funky because we haven't tried it yet. But that's the plan. <laughs> that is the plan. And so we have decorated our backgrounds in anticipation of mm-hmm. those recordings, and also because uh, it's early September. It's spooky. And yeah. Why not? Why wouldn't we? Duh. Um, give us a tour, Sabrina. I will Let's give see what's you a behind quick you. tour. So, of course, I have my skeleton candelabra. Um, Ugh, love it. Which, as I was trying to put the candles in, I may have accidentally broken one of the arms, so I have to be delicate Uh-oh. with it. But then I have my pride and joy, my best costume trophy. <laughs> That's such uh, – it's just so epic. It's I so love that. Good. And then to go with my best costume, how about a Godora? Oh, shoot. Where's mine? I, I should have like put that mine out scared. for you, too. Oh, you have a Voldy, Voldy uh, wand, too? Not a Voldy wand like you, but I have the the universal, I don't know. I got I got picked. I got a wand at the oh, wand Oh, yes. You lived my dream. Um, I have a <laughs> well, we'll go back and then if they if they point to me again because you're invisible, I'll push you forward push and be me. like, yes, thank you. She She's the tribute here. Yes. I have a little cauldron and some skeleton cups to drink my potions Love out it. of. Very skeleton themed. Um, I have my freaking bats. And then freaking behind me, bats. which you can't really see because my microphone's covering it, I have, you know that rose you got me that has the one that doesn't. Oh, the rose that never dies. Yes. Well, it said it's supposed to last a year and it's definitely been over a year, but I'm prolonging oh. it because. I feel like I got that for you like two years ago. Didn't it's a little it? green now, but you can't tell. Is it molding? Um, probably, but I'm putting it in in this little like glass jar to make it look very beauty. Little votive, yes. Like, beauty don't touch it because the leaves will fall. You know. <laughs> yeah. Let's this see yours. Great. Okay. Um. All right. Let me put down my coffee. I so badly want to be in Here's- a flannel with like this. That's the vibe I want, but it's just so hot. Well, you, you're coming in bo- to whoa yeah. words. You're coming in October <laughs> to Boston, so you'll yes. experience some of the chill soon. Yes, definitely. Okay, so um, a few of these prints purchased on Etsy. This I had commissioned oh my by gosh. Shop A5 on Etsy. It is the Salem Witch House. The It's the one that we've we've seen. It's the black one. It's the judge of the Salem Witch Trials. It. I had that commissioned and painted. Yeah, if it was easy for me to like put it on and off of the wall, I'd grab it and show <gasps> you guys, but I'll just take a picture of it. And then That's I so have cool. nothing important over there. <laughs> um, lots of skulls yeah, as well. Love it. Just a thing of skulls. I have the ectoplasm you sent me. Ooh, I like how it's in the skeleton head. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Over here I have – okay, one of my old coworkers from Ministry of Supply when I worked there, Gregory, he's an artist. And he, mm-hmm. in his sketchbook, will like doodle these faces really quickly. He's unreal. And it is so spooky. And it, oh, my gosh. Everyone else was freaked out by the – by the artwork this and you were specific like, one because it was like it. a little too dark compared to his other mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, let me have it. So I purchased that one from him. Oh, and then I almost forgot. My <gasps> little, little ghost. ghost in a jar. Oh, your ghost this in is a jar. From, it's so cute. I bought it from Stoltzcraft on Etsy a couple okay, years ago. Yeah. Stoltzcraft. And then this is wait, I have the box because I knew I would forget the name of it. <laughs> this is the York Ghost. One of our listeners sent us this. Oh, wait, so, so cute. Figurine. I love it. This is so Anywho, fun. Oh, and then 
behind me just in case anything really crazy happens during during uh, our recordings. Yeah. I do have, I'll preface this by saying, at the bottom of all of our show notes, we do include a uh, link describing all of the alternatives to using sage and white sage yeah. because it's endangered. The in native people of Americas and Central America r- rely on it. Um, yeah. So I will preface this by saying all of this stuff was gifted. I did not purchase any of it. Okay. <laughs> but I have oh all of my you are prepared uh, Palo Santo and oh wow that's coming apart. All right, do not touch. Just look. Unless you I guess, need to use it, of course. The vibe. Unless we need to use it. Yeah. Look at this one. This one was sent to us by a listener. <gasps> Oh my gosh, I have that. I have one like that too with the feather in it and everything. Yeah. Obsessed with it. We are ready for spooky season. We are ready. I can't wait for when we're doing it in darkness. I have all these like candles here behind me. They're, you know, the ones that like are battery operated, but I can't wait to light them up. And like just light it up, be light it up. illuminated, kind of spookily. Maybe I'll put the light totally. down on the ground and it's gonna go up. Ooh, mm. ooh, I like that. Yeah, just the whole thing, like shadows cast from shadows. every single angle. I do need to get um, blackout curtains, or we have to record mm. at like three a.m. We'll have to figure that out. Um, I, I <laughs> thought we were gonna do our our crafty, cut up some uh, black trash, trash bags, trash bags, and put them yeah. up the windows. Sabrina was like, "We should get curtains." I was like, "Trash bags? <laughs> I mean, like, resourceful. That's that's cheap." <laughs> um, yeah. Oh wait. Okay. Before we go into the stories, yes. I have one more thing to say. Okay. And it's it's selfishly because I want to talk to someone about this. I had the realization about two hours ago. That I think I had a past life where I died due to a, or a tornado. <gasps> because what? Here's here's my reasoning. Okay, is that every horrible horrible nightmare where I wake up and I can't shake it. I have nightmares every single night. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not that afraid of of spooky things. Yeah, it's like our normal like yeah. dreams. We yeah. only have nightmares. Nightmares here, here only. Nightmare crew. nightmares only. <gasps> Ooh, that'd be a the fun podcast. Crew. The nightmare. Crew. The nightmare crew. Oh, TM. TM. That's where we read our spooky nighttime stories, our bedtime stories. Okay. TM. TM. The nighttime crew. Got it. Uh, or the nightmare crew. <laughs> anyway, every single time I wake up the and I'm like truly fearful of what I dreamt, it's always a tornado. I have tornado nightmares probably four or five times a year. I've never yeah. lived in tornado country. Yeah. I've discussed this with my family all the time. Like, oh, I'm so afraid of tornadoes. What if a tornado comes? Like, I have a nightmare that that I couldn't save you guys from a tornado. It's, an, it's just always been a part of my mm. nightmares. Then when we were in Austin, Texas, and I stayed a few extra we days because I had a bachelorette yeah. the following weekend, I was terrified, terrified of the tornado. But also, I feel like I didn't tell everyone how bad it really was. Like, I was really scared but also I was incoherently bawling my eyes out Aww. for 12 hours. Like I was on the phone, like FaceTime with my mom and Brian just yeah. for 12 hours straight, like <gasps> like swollen, like I'm going to die. Even right now, yeah, I'm like about I'm to cry. So, okay. Well, we are looking into doing past life regression. So I feel like it is very possible that that is true. And I'm curious. We have I to go I in died. not saying anything about it though. And I'm curious if that will come up. I know. It's hard now that the the thought was planted yeah, because now you don't like, want it what to... if my subconscious brings it out? It's you know hard what? to That's hard okay. to know. It's hard to know. We're yeah. all trying to figure things anyway. out. Anyway, I just wanted to say that now, just in case we <laughs> ever figure out that I actually did die due to a tornado. I knew. I felt it. Yeah. I finally cracked the code. I am curious, though. I feel like a lot of the times when you sleep, your dreams, I just think dreams mean so much more than we think they mean. And yeah. 
Okay. Oh my gosh, wait. Yes. That just reminded me. So I'm watching Love Island USA and there's a girl on there who her job is to make mukbang videos. Do you know what that is? No. I think it's like a – okay. She basically eats a lot of food on YouTube, but I think it's like a – there's like a sexual component to it. And I was Called like – mukbang? Yeah. I was like, I would love to just eat and consume food for my Leia job. Leia is like, Sabrina, I also did mukbang. How do you think we live here in the apartment? I do mukbang videos. She does just <laughs> eat all day. She's a good eater. Wait, so I'm confused. Is it like ASMR with eating? Yeah, I think she like talks about her life while she's eating a ton of food. And I think people like watching someone eat food, but then also it makes them feel less alone if they're eating a meal as well. Oh, I could Is do how that. she described it. Oh, we could do that. We got to look into this. All right, let's start doing Ever that. since Twinkle Toes hasn't <laughs> made the made it onto the foot scene, maybe we can be mukbang girls. Mukbang gals. <laughs> we have no idea what we're talking about. Someone might be like, yikes. <laughs> Guess what? We don't really know what it is. Yeah. No, but I looked it up do it. briefly. But we might – we have a lot of entrepreneur endeavors. I was going to say entrepreneur endeavors that we would like to do. So Add it to the list. Add it to the list. Two girls, one mukbang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Leia likes it. Anyway, uh, Roanoke. Roanoke. Okay. Last year, we covered the 400-year-old mystery. Last of week, the Lost mean. Colony. What did I say? You said last year. La- you know what? It's a 400-year mystery, so maybe we did also talk about it last Probably. Year. Last week, we covered the 400-year-old mystery of the Lost Colony of Roanoke, and this is the part two. So I'm going to give a recap oh. for anyone who doesn't remember seven days ago. Because Sabrina and I both uh, suffer from not being able to remember Amnesia. 30 minutes ago. And dementia. So one of the two. <laughs> we'll give everyone the benefit yes. of the doubt here. Also, if you haven't listened okay. to part one, we do highly recommend you start with episode oh, one of this totally. two-parter and then come back here and join us again for part two. Agreed. So to recap, a group of European colonists landed on Roanoke Island in North Carolina and were quickly running out of provisions. Growth rings from a network of bald cypress trees Trees in that area showed that from 1587 to 1589, this area was experiencing an extreme drought and the worst growing season in 800 years. So the fact that the colonists arrived in 1857, that first year of the worst growing season and drought in about a thousand years, like – that was really poor timing. And when they arrived, like all their resources were like pretty limited anyway. So they were not in a good totally. position. No, no. They were like destined to die. So, <laughs> and maybe they did. We don't really know. Technically, um, we are all destined to die. So yes. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess if we do know that they have died because this was <laughs> well, 400 years yeah. ago. So unless last they're vampires. vampires now, which would be yeah. so cool. We don't know. We don't know anything. They could be. Okay, so bad timing on the colonists' yeah. part to arrive then. Uh, John White, who was in charge of the group of colonists, he left for England to go get more assistance and supplies to basically keep them from, from starving and dying. And when he returned three years later, the group of over 100 people had vanished. The only clue being the words crow and croatoan carved into wood surrounding the old encampment. For 400 years, historians and uh, all of us, the world, have wondered what has happened to the people of Roanoke. Did they relocate? Did they assimilate with the native people in the surrounding area? Did they die of famine, of disease? Did they cannibalize themselves? Mm. Were they attacked? Did they hop on boats and attempt to journey back to England and drown? 
For centuries, the mystery has remained, but then in 2012, a possible answer was found, which is where we left off. With the most insane cliffhanger line ever. (laughs) X marks the spot. (laughs) See you next week. Okay, so researchers at the First Colony Foundation were examining a map at the British Museum in London. And this map was a map that was painted by John White. He was really, really talented in creating these maps and one of the OG guys and very responsible um, and, and credited with some of the amazing maps that we had first, I guess, as as white European people had of the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this map, it was titled La Virginia Pars. And researchers, after examining this map, having it in their possessions for a long, long time, they suddenly discover two patches. One had covered the original map as a correction. So it was simply an updated illustration of the area. John White clearly made a mistake somewhere and he was updating it to make it more accurate. Yeah. He was the Google Maps car. (laughs) Under the other patch, researchers discovered a hidden message. And this secret message was marked in invisible ink only visible when putting it under a light. So it had to be or above a light. It had to be backlit. My question is how, what is invisible ink back in the 1800s? Okay. I can't remember all of the ingredients, but I do know human pee was part of it. Okay, that's what I thought too. I thought there was urine in it, but there is. It's just so fascinating to like have that. I know, and then I just like, watched national- is a message that we need to. Someone has to be able to find eventually, but they can't see mm-hmm. it now. Yeah, I do wonder. I do wonder if backlighting was the only thing that brought this message message forward because I did just rewatch uh, National Treasure. And the whole point of stealing the Declaration of Independence is that there's a secret map on the back with yeah. invisible ink, and you have to create a reagent for it to appear right. and, and for the all of the images to come forth. And basically, they had to use lemon and heat to get that mm. forward. So I wonder if they had to, you know, do something in addition to just, like, putting the map on top of a light. Because that seems like who Too wouldn't easy. see that before? Yeah. Right? Wow. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know the purposes of urine. Who knew? Human pee. <laughs> the miracle of human pee. The many uses of human pee. That should be our, our first book by two girls and one ghost. <laughs> and it's like we – no, I don't even want to go down that route. Route, <laughs> do it, route do it. road. I was just like – the scary thing about that book is like we'd probably have to put some of those things to the test. And that means that we would have to be um, hands deep in human pee. I think we just have to call Bear Grylls. He'll do pretty much anything. <laughs> can hire him. Okay. Great. I watched him squeeze elephant dung into his mouth. So he he can have this. <laughs> yeah, he can have it. Okay. So the secret message then appeared, and it's thought that this message had been encoded to guard the info from the Spanish should they ever steal this map. So remember, not only were English people in North America, but Spanish people, a lot of other countries were yeah. all exploring. colonizing at the same time. Yeah. Exploring. Uh, colonizing and also getting in war with one another. You know, if you find the enemy, you steal from them, you kill them. And so they wanted maybe to keep this map safe. Uh, So Mm -hmm. obviously this was a great hiding spot because we didn't figure it out for centuries. Yeah. So the invisible ink showed an outline of a fort 50 miles west of Roanoke, which was the distance that the colonists said that they may move if needed, according to some of John White's writings. 
However, this map still lacked the detail that was needed to locate this exact location because the drawing of the fort was not to scale. So the X marking the spot was actually hovering over thousands of acres of land in North Carolina. Oh. So challenging. That's a yeah, it's not lot like, of area. Oh, a tiny little cove. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's huge. So, I mean, over time, people have explored and zeroed down or zeroed in on where they think this site is. And a team of archaeologists set out to investigate this site on the map, Birdie County in North Carolina. They found no evidence of a fort at Site X, per se. But when excavating the area, they found fragments of weapons and pottery that would have belonged to a small group of colonists. And this was a really exciting development. So they brought in ground-penetrating radar and found another site two miles away that contained similar items, including vessels used for preparing and storing food, which suggests that this isn't this isn't a temporary site. Like these people were, yeah, they were, were staying for a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, setting but up they don't camp. actually know setting up camp. Yep. They don't know if this was actually the lost colony of Roanoke because remember – from last episode, uh, there was another group that went prior, um, and then there were also other groups that came after. So they don't know if maybe like Lane and his yeah. crew, if certain people settled in the area, if other people um, in the future had set up There's this encampment. There's a lot of you possibilities. Can't get, like, extremely exact. Yeah. Yep. So with this discovery of this encampment, another theory has emerged, one that suggests that John White and the colony are liars. What? And you you hinted at this, Sabrina, last week. Okay. Uh, but Raleigh, John White's boss, was tasked by the queen to establish a colony and give her any of the gold that he found, or or like 10% of the gold that he found. Right. But he didn't find gold. Mm-hmm. On the first voyage with Ralph Lane, John White and the other explorers and soldiers found something perhaps more valuable sassafras sassafras which is like the best word in the world sassafras yeah i I don't know how i didn't know what this was sassafras because it sounds i don't know it just sounds like a like a little bush but it sounds like a nickname too like i just like hey sassafras sounds like the name of a dachshund and i think that's because i had a neighbor and i'm pretty sure their dachshund was sassafras oh so cute oh sassafras but it makes sense because sassafras does have this cinnamon-esque smell, the oil mm-hmm. of it does. And this dachshund was a little cinnamon colored. So <laughs> I'm getting it now. It's all making sense. Yes. Okay. So sassafras is a tree and the native people of North America use this to flavor their foods, to make tea, and to treat a variety of health issues, injuries, and skin diseases with the leaves. And then the bark of the tree was also used as a treatment for diarrhea. So this was like, this was a pretty sick tree to have. You could pretty much use all of it to to help you. And so Raleigh discovered sassafras and introduced it to England, and people began using it as a miracle cure for many ailments, including venereal disease. And just as an FYI, I'm not saying that sassafras cures venereal disease, but the English people did think that it did at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the 1800s. Yes. Like, they were doing it's, what they could. They were trying out new things. It's they were, before – it's the late 1500s. Yeah, okay. There you go. Even earlier. It's even this earlier. Is, yeah. We didn't know, and honestly, sometimes we still don't know what we're doing. We're yeah. always learning. Yeah. So today, we use it as a powder to thicken foods. That's a, something that people do with gumbo in the South often. Uh, and as an oil that has that cinnamon smell mm-hmm. uh, in our drinks like root beer. 
Oh, the plant does now have to undergo additional treatment before being consumed because it was found that there's actually a chemical compound in the oil that uh, was leading to cancer in rats. So people might have been kind of poisoning themselves sometimes, depending on how they were preparing Mm -hmm. this this plant. Which makes me think of... um there was that case in like, I think it was in France in like the, it was a, you know, a long, we may have talked about it when we did like a mass hysteria episode, but where they mm. were all eating the same bread and the entire town like had hallucinations and they were going a little bit insane. Oh. Do you remember that? It yeah, was just because there was like, like the, mold or something. The dancing. Yeah. Was that the dancing hysteria? Might've been that. I can't, I can't quite remember, but yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So. Upon initially discovering sassafras, it is possible that Raleigh schemed to create a sassafras trade under the guise of setting up a colony to gather funding to get to the Americas again, or North America, but to keep all of the profits. So basically saying like, oh, we found some, like, here's a little bit of sassafras, whatever. But then actually discovering the gold mine of sassafras and keeping that under wraps and creating a black market. So- It's thought that his plan could have been to send John White and this colony to the area to cultivate the sassafras, which is why John White had marked his map with invisible ink to keep the treasure hidden. And after John left for Europe, the group marked the tree, Croatoan, to indicate to John where they had set up a drop-off for trade. So basically where where he should go and direct other ships to come pick up the sassafras that they were harvesting from site X on the map, which is where they actually hid. So it was the idea then that like they all knew this was happening, but they came up with the lie of this, of everyone disappearing? Yes. So basically oh. promised riches, you know, all of, all of the money that you could possibly ever, ever want. Yeah. Uh, and so, be, and and set up the camp successfully because here's here's some more proof that this might actually work. Remember I was saying that there were, Many more people after this who had gone to the queen and and said, "Oh, I, I'll I'll go look for the lost colony. I'll go I'll go help bring these people back." And then they sailed out here. And then when they returned back to England, everyone was like, "Well, what did you find? What was going on?" And everyone was really shady, and no one oh. actually went and looked for the lost colony. It's thought that maybe it was because these people were using the lost colony to again get funding to go over there. But instead of just privateering and like pirating and stealing shit, yeah. they were stopping at Croatoan Island, which was the hidden spot to on the black market to grab all of the sassafras from the people, the col- the hundred colonists. Yeah. And then would go distribute and sell it. It just feels like an such underground a market. Massive ploy that strangely so like too many people are aware of. That True. if that were the case, it would have come out or someone would have like written it down in a document that we would have access to nowadays. Right. No, that's a really good point because well, it's one of those things where it's like there's so many things that you feel. I mean, I just I, I always think back to like the Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, like everyone's like, how could that possibly happen like modern day? And it did. So yeah. I feel like there's a lot of things that can just happen. But yeah, I get I get but what you're it saying. came out, you, would think, you know, like that came out eventually. It did. Right. But also, this is 400 years ago. No one had mm-hmm. MySpace or could tweet their locations and and whatnot. And like, I mean, I like how I MySpace like is it, your go-to for right now. <laughs> I'm in 2007 again. Where <laughs> am I? It's be real um, now. 
Uh, yeah, I don't have that. Mm-mm. I think there's a point Me where neither. I just need to throw to my phone in a pool. Yes. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. I agree. There's only so much we can handle. Yeah. Um, yeah, but no, like to your point, that makes sense. Cause like, especially there's, there's children. Like there's, there's women also. There were what, 17, 18 women who had, who mm-hmm. had gone there and they had families. And who's to say that those children couldn't grow up and then 18 years later say like, Tell oh, someone. well, yeah. you know, spill the beans. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It does seem odd that 100 plus people could be in on this. But I guess that's like, that's the black market, you know, yeah. like that. There's a lot of people. They all had a sign do NDAs. that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the threat also is like, you know, if you tell anyone, we'll kill you. If you tell anyone, we'll expose your location to the Spanish and you'll be tortured and whatnot. Like, there's a lot that I think you could blackmail the people with to keep them quiet. Yeah. I feel like you would be really good at blackmailing people. Like, I feel like you had a lot of things ready to go. Thanks. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Comes from experience. (laughs) No, but I think I would be good. I think so too. <laughs> okay. So for some people, this get rich quick scheme and the X marks the spot for a basically like a legal sassafras trade makes a lot of sense that maybe this is the most logical explanation. But our podcast does not stop at earthly and logical. We take no. one step further. We like to see what paranormal beings could be at play. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Roanoke mystery has baffled everyone for centuries, thus creating a great distraction from something else lurking in the area. Eek. Something inhuman, something dangerous, a possible curse, and a possible beast. Ooh. All right. The native people of North Carolina spoke of a magical being stalking the nearby woods. Oh. A malevolent spirit that manifested as different creatures, often appearing as a reptile. As so a reptile? Entity, yes. Oh. I imagine it being like a lizard or a snake or something that's, you know, often seen in that area of, yeah. of the U.S. I'm imagining, I think this is from, I think it's Metamorphosis, the book. But like a humanoid shape, but with like scaly, crocodile-y skin. A lizard person? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Lizard, lizard person. Yep. The government. Lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I first thought too. But then when I was – I read many articles and, and yeah. watched a million different documentaries and whatnot on this. And they always showed like somewhat of a gecko-shaped thing. So I think it was oh, just so smaller. a smaller little okay. creature. Yeah. Okay, but this this forest spirit, this entity, would appear often as a reptile, and it would attach itself to people, possessing them and forcing them to act out atrocities, attacking one another. So basically, it, would, it wouldn't necessarily show itself, but it would maybe like, let's say it possessed you, Sabrina, and then you start picking fights with me, and then you and I are like at battle, and then eventually one of us kills each other. So it's like- Oh, provoking. Perhaps an- Yes, perhaps an excuse- to describe or like explain away uh, intercolony or intertribe conflict, um, okay. But also, you know, maybe they're getting possessed. We don't know. Yeah. Anytime I pick a fight with Nick now, I'm just gonna blame it on that. Like it's not me. I'm sorry. Sorry. It was the forest being. Yeah. It possessed me. It possessed me. The lizard crew. <laughs> the lizard is within. <laughs> Your lizard is showing. Oh my gosh. Put your lizard away. Corinne. Tuck it away. Sorry. Now it really sounds bad. <laughs> Put your lizard away. Yikes. Zip. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> now I'm imagining like men in black where you're like, you know, well, I think they do it in the brain, but like you just open you open a zipper, which is connected to your belly button, because it obviously connects to another universe. 
And you open it up yeah. and there's just the lizard who pokes out and he's like, I'm coming. It's kind of like old Greg, the yeah. light shining from the genital region. I'm Total. old Greg. Yeah, okay. I'm old Greg. Okay, there's also a similar dark spirit who would simply absorb people into the forest, changing oh. them into animals and trees. Oh. And at the same time that the colony of Roanoke disappeared, native tribes in the area had reported strange phenomena in that area. Wildlife began dying at a dramatic rate. Now, could this be due to the extreme drought? Uh, it's likely. But many native groups believed that these dark spirits were active in the area and perhaps the colony succumbed to the entities. Mm. Historians say that the tribes believed so fervently in the threat of these spirits that they themselves would condemn accused sorcerers to death because they just did not want to mess around with dark magic. So, you know, oh, if wow. they suspected you, it's basically like pointing the witchcraft finger. Yeah, if they like, suspected you yeah. of communing with the dark entities or acting on its behalf, then they're likely to... Uh, condemn you and sentence you to death wow and so they think maybe this is part of what happened to the colony too maybe you know they could have been bringing in the diseases and not understanding what was happening and why all of these native people around the white colonists were dying mm. thought that perhaps they were working with this dark entity with the devil and maybe yeah. helped stop that right uh but other people believe perhaps it does not have to do with the evil spirits and entities living within the woods, but maybe a curse. Oh. The word Croatoan has appeared a few times in history, always preceding a mysterious death or disappearance. Oh, I didn't know this. This is so fascinating. Yes. Okay. I'm On October listening. 3rd, your wedding anniversary. I know. I was just going to say, that's an important day. But 200 years before. <laughs> <laughs> On October 3rd, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe, our spooky king, OG. He was discovered in a delirious state, dressed in worn clothing and lying in a gutter outside of a public house. He was semi-conscious and unable to move. And for a few days, Poe continued to bob in and out of consciousness and hallucinations. And a few days later, he passed away. But supposedly, and also there's a ton, like we could do a whole episode on Edgar Allan Poe and, yeah. and oh. everything that's happened to him and his, you should do that, Sabrina. That would be great. Oh, wait, that's a really good idea. Because there's a lot of mysteries around Adding death it and, to my list. and what happened. Because I love yeah, yeah. Poe. Yes. Maybe he was for you. my lover in another life. Okay. <laughs> and then when he died, you wrapped his heart up in uh, some meat <sighs> deli paper and put it in your, your drawer. I probably just ate it, eternity. to be honest, or bathed in it or something. Also, why is this? I'm like so bright all of a sudden. Okay. You're shining because you have so much... Light coming out of you. I don't know. I'm glowing because Edgar Allan Poe wants me to tell you guys this. Yes. And that is that supposedly on his deathbed, he said the word, his very last breath was Croatoan. Whoa. But not much is known about that or why he whispered Croatoan. And then a few decades oh. later, the infamous stagecoach robber Charles E. Bowles, nicknamed Black Bart, was released from prison. And Black Bart was the politest robber that ever did exist i actually am kind of obsessed with him i love him okay he was a stagecoach robber he had a gun on him you know like he did the normal thing but he he wore like a potato sack on his head with cut out slits so he terrifying. never swore was always very polite though which makes Super it polite. worse he would leave sabrina he he was afraid of horses so he would only rob on foot he never shot or used his weapon. It was just like there as an intimidation factor, but never, never used it. Okay. Uh, 
He also wrote poems and left the poems at the scene of the crime. So he's a romantic <laughs> robber. Okay. Or he's, he's like robber. the OG Zodiac who's leaving behind like creepy oh. messages. You can have him. I have Ed- Edgar's mine. You can have this guy. You have Edgar. Okay. I'm ca- Charles, Charles E. Bowles, he, he's pretty sweet. I mean, he was married. He does have a wife mm. or did have a wife. Um, and also he would rob Wells Fargo stagecoaches. So yes, technically the people's money because it was in, in a bank, but he also wasn't approaching, you know, like families traveling yeah, okay. in stagecoaches and okay. robbing them. It was it was like bank money transfers. And clearly and Wells was, Fargo you know, is still fine. On foot being like, my dear beloved, like <laughs> saying his little poems and give me your money. And everyone's like, ah, okay, sure. <laughs> Take so it all. anyway, he got caught uh, and yes. he was in jail. Yeah. And he, because he's so polite, got let out on good behavior. Mm-hmm. He served four of his six-year sentence, which can you believe? I mean, we don't have to go into all of the – everyone here, I'm sure, listens to True Crime Podcasts too. And there's a lot of information on like prison reform and what's wrong with different yeah. sentencing. But can you believe that someone who robbed t- the bank 28 times with a weapon, although he didn't never hurt anyone, was sentenced to only six years in jail? I mean, what time period was this? It was it was the 1800s. Lifespans were shorter. Also, <laughs> I I watched a documentary recently, and I can't remember what it's called. I'll have to figure it out. But basically, robbing banks is still like one of the easiest crimes to commit right now, and you can get away with it. How? Like if you just if you're not greedy and you go in and you just ask for cash, I'm not gonna like give all the I'm saving those okay, for me. You're not like let me into the vault. You're just like give me what's in the give me the, the cash. tell right now. Yeah. And like banks are prepared to like lose money. I don't know. I just you know, if I Send start to info. like, you know, have like if some nice things pop up behind me. Right. Don't worry where it got where uh, it all came from. You and I can team up. I'll be the one that like blackmails. I just send like a really aggressive note yeah. across the the table, and then you're just there being yeah. And you probably have like a fierce look, and I'll just be smiling. Hi, hi, hi. Like oh, I'm sorry. I just have resting bitch face. That's all. <laughs> Give me your money. Give me your money. We'd be really good. <laughs> Give robbers. me my money, Bank of America. <laughs> <laughs> it's just we're stealing from ourselves. Yeah. Here's my bank account number. Please give me my money now. Transfer immediately. Okay, so uh, Black Bart, nice guy-ish, <laughs> aside from the stealing. Uh, but he gets released after four years in prison. And apparently, when he was released in January of 1888, behind in his cell, people found, the workers found, uh, the word Croatoan carved into his jail cell. A month after his hmm. release, Black Bart vanishes, never to be seen <gasps> or heard from again. He vanished? Vanished. He and like, also, wrote like, his wife a letter, but like, it wasn't saying where he was going. He was just like, oh, I'm a little embarrassed about what happened. Like, I don't want to be involved in crime anymore. And then someone saw him at like some inn at some point and then never again. It's so interesting to me because there's just. And I'm sure you have other examples, but these already are like three very different entities, like Edgar Allan Poe, this guy, and the whole colony of Roanoke. It makes me think that there's like a spirit or dark entity that is putting the word Croatona into their heads, like, or coming to them and right. telling them this thing. Because why would he carve the word Croatoan on a wall on a jail yeah. cell? Like, that's so random to me. It makes no sense. It's so yeah. random. I mean, I think that's like part of the belief that people have is that there's these, these, this darkness and maybe it is the the creatures the entities that lurk within the forest over yeah near croatoan island that are like calling out 
for beckoning yeah. people in for misfortune and, and to murder them, make them disappear. Uh, but there are a few more examples of this happening as well. Okay. So a decade after Black Bart's disappearance, a ship called Carol A. Deering floated ashore in Cape Hatteras, which is like right there. It's in North Carolina. It's like a second away from Croatoan, which doesn't seem as odd. But the crew on board had vanished and food had been left half prepared for the following day. So it was clear that like they were in the pro- they were intending to stay on the ship. And then all of a sudden they just vanished and no one mm. could find them. They were never found again. And then when examining the captain's logbook, the last word written in it was Croatoan. And lastly, That's Amelia so- Earhart. <gasps> no. Apparently she wrote the word Croatoan in her personal journal before slapping the journal closed, keeping it in her place. And then hopping on a plane to fly around the world, disappearing in 1937. Croatoan. Croatoan. It's so – I'm just – that's so bizarre to me. It's just like, why? Me. Yeah, why? Over over centuries too, right? Like, it's so it's so odd. And these are all people that – I mean – I'm so confused. They're infamous in a way. Yeah. In some way or another. Like, b- before their disappearances, before their death, they still – they still – it's almost – it's kind of giving me Illuminati vibes. You know? Oh, the OG Illuminati was Croatoan. Maybe it was. Like he, here, you get you get all of the success, you get all of this fame, whether it be you know a bad thing or or a good thing. Uh, but you're successful in some way and make a name for yourself in history. But in turn, I'm going to beckon you. I'm going to summon you with the word Croatoan. When Croatoan enters your mind and you can't stop thinking about it, do you? Think- I will come for you and take your soul. I'm so curious if now this is my new conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. That the government knows, like there are people in government who know what Croatoan is. And it's like an organization. The that, lizard people. Yeah. That predates <laughs> humanity. Ooh. Like what if it's like a bacteria that has oh a mind? Like a, like a, a, I'm just thinking about like what existed on planet earth before humans did. Obviously right. dinosaurs. But like, you know, in the very early days that had formed the some single-celled organism. Yeah, had like a mind of its own in a way or a neurosystem. And they are something we can't physically see but exist and are a part of an organization called Croatoan. Or what if we can't see it, we can't harness those things, but there's some alien life form that knows how to and uses it oh. to stop things that would take away from the proper course of humanity the way that the aliens want it to go. Yep, I believe this. We're all like ooga booga. And right the now, government knows. Right? The government knows the answer to this and they're not telling us. Just vote for us for president so that we get <laughs> access to all that information and we start a new podcast called Exposed from the White House. <laughs> We're terrible presidents, but you get to learn everything. Whatever. Just, <laughs> I mean, we'll expose the right things. Aliens, yeah, bacteria, yeah. Just weapons. like creating chaos on Earth and people are like up yeah. in arms like, ah, it's all a lie. Chemtrails are real. Birds are spying on us. There are <laughs> lizard people. Oh, wait. Can I just say yeah. that when I was out there in California and I spent a week in San Diego, I went to the beach and someone at the beach is on like Hinge and Bumble and those dating apps mm-hmm. and had screenshotted all the times that she saw on guys' profiles. Uh, it was like one thing you'll never convince me otherwise was the prompt. And then it said like, birds aren't real. And so many people had that response. It's like the new, the classic like guy holds a fish. Guy says in New England, the version is like, guy says Tom, it, his 
dream dinner guest is like Tom Brady. It's like everyone has the same answers to everything and birds aren't real is the new one. It's a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Believe well, it. Maybe some birds. I bet there's probably some like really convincing robot birds that can. Oh, for sure. People, right. For it's sure. high up enough in the tree. Yeah. You, you might never know. All right. So essentially, the curse is said to be whenever you see the word Croatoan, it coincides with an unsolved death or disappearance. It's the great predictor of mysteries. And some people believe that it is the evil spirit from the woods calling people mm. back, calling them in, luring them to their death. But to play devil's advocate for just a moment <laughs> and not let us go too far off the our rockers into conspiracy I think it's land, too late for is, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. This is like, I'm like, who am I? What am I doing? Normally, I'm the one that's that's trying to pull you deeper. And you're yeah. like, okay, let's think. <laughs> let's think about this for a second. Um, okay. But – we don't know the origins of any of the above examples, nor do we have records or proof of the whispered or written Croatoans. Mm. So I don't know if it, there is any fact to it, if it's just, you know, a adding up to be a great mystery or if maybe this did happen and parts of the history are being hidden or erased. Right. We don't know. We don't know. Right. We don't. Uh, and we still don't know exactly what happened to the lost colony of Roanoke. And to my knowledge... And no other people have vanished or seemingly <laughs> been cursed on Roanoke Island since all of those examples, but that doesn't mean the island is now quiet and peaceful. If you visit Roanoke Island today, you may just see a ghost Ooh. because this island is haunted. Of course. Our first stop on Ro on the Roanoke mystery bus <laughs> is to the Roanoke Island Inn. It is owned by the great-grandson of the family who built it back in the 1860s. The inn was opened as a quaint bed and breakfast overlooking the Roanoke Marshes Lighthouse. So quaint, so beautiful, mm -hmm. so romantic. Uh, one of the family members who had inherited the inn over time is named Roscoe Jones. And for many years, he had not only owned and operated this inn, but he was also the postmaster for the town of Manteo. But unfortunately, Roscoe received a letter one day from the U.S. Postal Service notifying him that he had been let go. So he got laid off. Sad. And this was a total surprise to him. And it really, really rattled him. Like, this was a huge part of his identity. It's what he really enjoyed doing. He felt really humiliated, too. Oh, and so, yeah, unfortunately, he locked himself away in the Roanoke Inn and he died soon after. So he's still haunting the inn to this day. Guests of Roanoke Island Inn have reported hearing footsteps around the room and hallways. Vases will fall on the floor and shatter. The window blinds move up and down and radios turn on and off on their own. And the spirit of Roscoe is seen fairly regularly. This isn't just like once or twice. Huh. This seems to be, he's making himself known often. He just He's dressed there. in his postal uniform, coming and going from the building. Hmm. So he's still, he's still a postal worker in his I like to afterlife. imagine that he's secretly like the reason that people's mail gets mixed up is actually because roscoe is getting his revenge for them firing him and he's just like yeah taking little envelopes and putting them in different places <laughs> i love that just causing <laughs> chaos in the postal system just like every hundredth letter he's just like slip yeah <laughs> with a little ghost hand or he's like you know, it's a, I, I assume it's a lot of the same families that live, mm. a lot of the same descendants from the time that Roscoe lived yeah. there probably are on the island. So maybe he sees an address and he's like, that's not where Betty lives. And then he just like takes the envelope. So he's helping? I, I know where they live. <laughs> that's why people get the wrong mail. It's oh, because that person's family member used to live at your yeah. address. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. All right. So close to this inn is Pioneer Theater, also operated by descendants of the original owner. So there is a lot of families that stay in the area and pass down their businesses. 
And here there's a spirit who's all about respect. If you use your cell phone while watching the movie, there's a there's a chance you're going to get your phone smacked out of your hand. Hell yeah. I love this. Pay ghost. attention to the movie. Yeah. Turn off and silence your cell phone. Disconnect for freaking two hours. It's good for you. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're trading one screen for another. Come on. Like, you yeah. don't need a double screen. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Text can wait. Social media, Instagram, Text they can, can wait. wait. Yeah. Yes. Well, and this this person, it's thought that it's one of the original owners of the of the movie theater who's like, come on, like be a bit respectful and just yeah. slaps the phone out of people's hands. I think that's funny. It is funny. <laughs> and then finally, there's a spirit of the white doe. Local lore oh. says Virginia Dare, the granddaughter of John White and the first English child born in America, who was born right before John White left yeah. and was supposed to be turning three, three. on the mm-hmm. day that he returned to the island. Um, there's a rumor that she had lived and she grew up and lived amongst a native tribe. A witch doctor had his eyes on her and asked her to marry him. And when Virginia refused, it said that he cast a spell on her, turning her into a ghostly white doe. And oh. every so often, locals and tourists report seeing a white doe on the island, That's which is a female deer, if anyone beautiful. doesn't know what a doe is. Makes me think yeah. of the Patronus right? charm. Oh, Lay's yeah. taking my uh, leg yes, again. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I was picturing too. Yeah. I, th- I mean, seeing a, a deer or really like most animals that have albinism, like that's pretty rare. There was yeah. an albino squirrel in Boston that was like the most exciting oh thing I've seen in years. But it sounds really beautiful. And honestly, like if we if we look at some of the, the last, the other two places, like it's being haunted by previous owners and it's like very yeah. benign. So the ghosts of Roanoke don't seem to be anything too scary, right? No, like it seems pretty, they're pretty sweet. They're just I like them. They're sweet. like ideal ghosts, the ones that you would like to right? coexist with and cohabitate with. Totally, which is nice because you're like, oh no, the town of Roanoke, like the island of Roanoke, it's a little little sliver of peace for a second in, when it comes to the paranormal. Uh, but there's something else happening <laughs> in Roanoke. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Something more sinister, something okay. more dangerous. What is it? A creature that looks under the cloak of night. What is Looking it? for a victim. <gasps> someone who can make disappear forever. Here I am. This. I volunteer as tribute. No, no, no. Do I not want to? Because you do not want to come in contact with the Roanoke werewolf. Okay. Make that if I do. said vampire, you'd be like, yes. <laughs> but, yeah. But a werewolf? Like, yeah, maybe. Why not? Maybe. Well, let me tell you about it. Okay. Okay. So Wild Dreams film on YouTube. I watched their interview of David and Lisa Lighty. Okay. David and Lisa are a couple who had the fright of their lives one night around Roanoke Island. David and Lisa are big campers. Like they spend a ton of time outside. Uh They camp. It's the thing that they've always done ever since they met each other. And it's their... It's what they enjoy doing. It's their yeah. hobby. They're very outdoorsy. Uh, and so one year they planned to camp in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. They'd never been there. And it was a pretty warm season. So they were like, let's take advantage of the extra camping days we have. Let's drive a bit south uh, and let's let's go camp in the Outer Banks. So they head south. They're driving down the interstate with their truck, towing the camper behind them. Uh And they're enjoying the scenery, the small towns, and the communities that they're passing through. They're like, it's really quite lovely. It's really quiet. It's really serene. Like, it's super picturesque. And it was just a really wonderful drive to start out. But now it's night. And they are 50 miles from Roanoke Island, entering Pettigrew State Park. The warm and blissful feeling of travel had dissolved. And Lisa said that immediately the whole place had a, quote, creepy, creepy feeling. Hmm. It was late. And as David drove, Lisa looked out her window at a group of people that were standing in the darkness, silently staring at them drive by. What? So both of them 
are now feeling anxious. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, hills have eyes. Yeah, that's sort of so feeling creepy. Like house of wax. Like there's yeah, yeah what are they the entering into? Yeah, right. Yes, totally. And so their their anxiety is starting to spike. Uh, it's getting darker. It's the night is continuing on, and it's only going to get weirder for whoever mm-hmm. is out at this time of night. Uh, so they just don't don't feel quite right with the the community and the houses that they're passing through. Mm-hmm. But they get to the campsite, and it's in the state park, the Pettigrew State Park. And they are surprised at their campsite to find that it's just a swamp. There's, like, no tree coverage. It's just void of trees. They're sitting ducks. They're totally out in the open here at, if they decided to camp here. So they park, and they're standing outside of their truck, like, next to their camper, looking out at this, like, swampy marsh, being like, are we supposed to stay here tonight? I would like, get just out. all doesn't feel right. Yeah, no. Right? Okay. And then there's a state trooper or sorry, not a state trooper. There's a there's a park ranger who pulls up in his car and he's he's acting a bit concerned and he asks what they're doing and they say, "Oh, we planned to camp here tonight." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Okay." And they exchange just a few words, but basically he he leaves them by saying that he is going home for the night and that there's not going to be an active park ranger on duty throughout the night. He'll be back in the morning. So, it's interesting cuz he clearly had some like trepidation about them staying there. Right. But then right. also to not fully warn them makes me think that he's a part of what's going on. Maybe. They've made or, a yeah. deal. Or like, I guess like how much can you say if you're an employee, like maybe there's NDAs. Like it's all the things whenever yeah. we talk about Appalachia, you know, like there's so many examples of people who've gone missing and all the rumors of like people that live in the woods that that aren't so nice and, and do a lot of harm. And it's yeah. like the secret amongst park rangers and rumors. It's there's just such a line between causing like panic within the public and trying to handle things internally. And maybe he was riding on the line of this. Right. Yeah. Because he did say, apparently he was like, okay, well, like, yeah, this is a nice park. Like he was <laughs> he trying was to convince really himself not, of it too. Yeah. Yeah. He did not want them to be there. And the, clearly the other group that they'd recently driven by was like giving them weird vibes. So David and Lisa are like, oh, no one on duty. Hell no. Nope. We're not staying here. So now they're back in the car and they're like, we need to get somewhere safe. We need to get somewhere that's not dark and desolate and where someone or something could could easily attack us. Mm-hmm. So they're like, let's go to a larger town that has shopping centers. We'll park our car, our, our truck and our camper in a parking lot and just spend the night there and figure it out in the morning. So they look up the nearest place, which is 50 miles away, but a two-hour drive because it's all back roads and in the dark, and that is Roanoke Island. So Roanoke Island has a few shopping plazas in the middle of the island. Like, it's it's got some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So they're like, great, let's head to Roanoke. Before reaching the populated town center, they're still weaving through and down back roads in an extremely desolate and unpopulated area. And that is when the truck bounces <gasps> because they had hit something. Neither David nor Lisa want to get out of the truck because it's just like everything feels creepy. Everything feels dangerous. Why would they want to get out? But of course, like the guilt gets to them. They need to check to see if they hit something or someone, if someone's in danger. And also what's the damage to their own vehicle, Mm -hmm. you know? So David is like, all right, I'm not going to – I'm going to be at least a little bit prepared. So out of the glove box, he grabs his his handgun and he exits the truck. He's slowly making his way with the gun and a flashlight down the driver's side of the car to the camper, checking underneath, examining the tires, the hitch, any signs of wildlife that might have been caught up in the wheel wells or anything. Yeah. And then he gets to the back of the camper and he sees that one of the brake lights had been shattered. 
And then the swamp goes quiet. There are no frogs, no crickets, no no hum or buzz of insects. It's silent. Something is there. For a minute, David doesn't see anything. And he's pointing his flashlight into the brush, into the swamp and the overgrowth. He's like looking all around. This is such a horror movie. Where the hell is this thing? Right? It's like, oh, my nipples just got hard. I just (laughs) had such a chill. Like this is, this is so scary. It's classic, but they lived it. Your your headlights are alerted. (laughs) My headlights are broken. This is the alert. (laughs) They say like the hair on the back of your of your head stands up, my nipples get hard. That's how you know danger is the foot. Danger is a coming. It's like the birds <laughs> when they like coming. fly away when like weather changing yeah. and stuff. Your yeah. nipples are just like I wish it was like a little antenna, like a dousing rod where you could just be like in the direction the danger and it's like bing, bing, goes bing, to the left. Bing, bing. Bing, 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 bing. You're kind of like All meet around. Karen from Mean Girls. It's a yeah. 60% chance it's gonna rain t- it's or, or it's like already raining. <laughs> it's what already is- raining. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right well david is scared way more scared than we are right now and he's looking around he's examining with his flashlight all of the overgrowth trying to figure out where this is coming from and then there's a noise it's not the animals it's not the insects you know beginning their midnight song again it is something else that is moving slowly from the swamp the twigs the grass swishing against its body eek David turns and points his flashlight in that direction, and 20 yards away is a wolf-like creature, a beast, four feet tall with yellow glowing eyes. It was hunting him. And at this point, he's kind of thinking, it's a wolf. David's familiar with wildlife. He's comfortable with the outdoors. He knows what animals look like. But then he said, this creature, quote, did something so alien and so strange that it still haunts me to this day. As David looks into the eyes of this beast... It pushes itself forward onto a rock and stands up on two feet. It's standing seven feet tall, and it's staring at David. There are tufts of hair covering its forward-pointing ears. Its midsection is very muscular, and there's a mane of fur around its shoulders. So not not like a full-body fur situation of a wolf Just like of tufts wolf of it. All. Yeah. Yes. This wolf-like creature does not have paws. Instead, clawed hands. <gasps> It's standing on two feet and takes a step towards David. And then it growls. His heart is pounding. And this is when David spots another pair of eyes next to this creature. And glancing over at this identical bipedal creature, only two seconds have passed. And he's registering now that there's there's two creatures. Mm-hmm. Two seconds, his eyes, if there's that, two of them. laid on this other creature. And he he returns his gaze on the first creature. And the first beast had cut the distance between them in <gasps> half. And now the second creature is doing the same. So that 20 yards becomes 10 yards. Oh, God, it's moving really fast. David shoots his gun, striking the first creature's shoulder, and the creature barely reacts. It's not like a like a normal wolf or a bear or a dog would like Oh, for sure, like whine and or, run away. Yeah, or like at least show impact, you know? Like <sighs> any animal is not just going to like – I mean, unless it's like a silverback gorilla or something. Like this thing is – it, Supernatural. It's, it's wild the way that it it reacted. Basically, mm-hmm. David said it had almost no reaction physically to being shot. It just kind of like looked angrier that it had been shot. Jeez. So <laughs> David's shooting the gun. He's he's not given an extra second for this thing yeah. to count. So he's turning. He's sprinting back to the car. Also, he's only a few feet. Like he he was at the back of the car. You know. Like also, is his wife feet, just sitting basically. in the car watching all of this happen? So she had actually gotten out of the car and she's standing on the other side of the car. You know, like she doesn't – she's just like listening. Right. And doesn't know what's happening because David's not talking and she's not yeah. talking. She's just like looking around. So David starts screaming like, 
I mean, the gun went off and then he starts screaming, get back in the car, get back on the car. So she's like right outside the car. She hops back in. He gets into the car. They take off. He is scared beyond belief. He's trembling. Yeah. David is His so nipples scared. are like, so like, hard. His nipples are so hard. Everything's hard, especially. No, no, no. Why did I say that? Why did I say that? Ew. That's not what I meant. It didn't. Oh, you said it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. His nipples are hard. He is trembling. <laughs> Lisa was like, I've never seen him so scared in my life, which, I mean, hopefully you haven't. I hope these, like, things don't happen often that you're you're feeling like you're going to die. Uh, but anyway, they're they're scared to death. And, like, David's a, a tougher guy. Yeah. So they drive. It, well, basically, he says – or she's like, what was that? What happened? And David's really shaken up. And so he just said, I saw something. It kind of looked a little bit like a wolf. And so now they're driving in silence until they get to this populated area of Roanoke Island. Yeah. David doesn't tell Lisa everything because he doesn't want to scare her and ruin the rest of their trip. He's like, I'll tell her when we get home. Jeez. So they're starting to calm down. They're now in the parking lot of a grocery store. They're at the market. So they go into the grocery store to grab a few things for the night. And when they come back out with their shopping bags, they're – is someone else in the parking lot. They spot another car. And it's late at night. And this is, I mean, this is a populated area, but it's this not just the type like of town keeps where, going. Right. I mean, like, I, f- I live in Boston, and I feel like even if I went into a grocery store at 2 a.m., like, there, there would be hardly be anyone there. Yeah. Uh, but but this is, like, especially, like, why why would there be someone else here? Yeah. So the parking lot had been empty when they first went in. Uh, but now there's this guy waiting in his car, staring angrily at them like he wants to kill them. So immediately my mind goes to, this is the werewolf. He's like become mm. human again. Interesting. And he's tracking them down. But now I have questions about how werewolves can go back and forth, how they transform. Go back and forth. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I'm wrong. This, is, this, isn't, this isn't the werewolf. Oh, okay. So David's like, what the hell does this guy want? Like he basically takes a couple steps away from Lisa towards the car and goes like essentially like the, hey, buddy, like what's up? Mm-hmm. Can I help you sort of thing? And the guy goes, oh, my God, like, you look so much like my friend. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought you were my friend. I was just trying to, like, really scare him. I'm so sorry. And David's like, that's okay. Like, ha, ah, that happens. What a strange, and, weird, like, after the chain of events that have been happening, this is just like a weird, right. like, what? Why? Totally. How? Well, it gets even weirder. Oh, no. Because David's, like, talking to this guy and can see kind of, like, in in his light line through the window. He sees that there are a couple of rifles in the car. And so then – David asks if if he hunts, and the guy says, yes, he does. And then David asks if he's ever hunted in the swamp. And the guy starts getting a little, like, weird and shifty. He doesn't really yeah. say anything. He says nothing. So then David follows up and says, did you ever see anything weird? And the guy's jaw drops. <gasps> and he goes, I thought I was the only one. And then he tells David two years ago when he was out there hunting in the swamp, he saw a wolf that walked on its back leg, on two uh, legs. Hind legs. Yes. Which is weird that like this all happened and that he got this information and intel immediately following this paranormal encounter. Well, this guy, this guy he ran into clearly is like up late hours. And so it makes sense that like someone who's up at late hours and hunts would see something like that. Right. And local too. You know, like it's one of the things where like, you know, maybe if you were in a like hunting fishing area of alaska maybe people would tell you stories of bigfoot you know like oh i did see something odd or like i have a buddy that saw something like i think there's there's stories that it can it can make sense okay so after their camping trip david finally tells lisa more about what he saw that night and to lisa it made a lot of sense because she said that she believes you should really listen to your gut and the whole time they were in that area she was just wanting to get out of there everything in her body was saying Mm -hmm. run 
And now she wonders if the people of Roanoke, the lost colony of Roanoke, had perhaps encountered these creatures and not fared so well. So a lot is happening on Roanoke Island, and the fate of the lost colony is still unknown. Could they have assimilated with nearby tribes? Have they? Did they die of disease and starvation? Were they killed by foreign explorers, neighboring tribes, or intercolony conflict? Or were they victims of a curse, absorbed by forest spirits, or eaten by werewolves? Werewolves. We may never know. And so the mystery of the lost colony of Roanoke remains just that, a mystery. A mystery. A mystery. A mystery lost to history. Um, Ooh, I love that. You can That's t- our other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the episode title. titles. Actually, it probably yeah. should be Roanoke part two, so people can easily search it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'm... If they were eaten by werewolves, first of all, I still think I'm not that I want to encounter necessarily these werewolves. I do. I'm. I just. There's a fascination. Like, I just want to like okay. maybe drive by, do a werewolf drive by real quick. Um, but if they You're were open, open to an encounter, open to a an encounter that I can survive, like make it out of. That's a hard distinction. It's like how do you how do you pick and choose? How well, that's know? what I'm saying. My hypothetical, I can pick and choose. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. This is like, what cryptid would you go on a date with? We yes, promise survival. You they won't yes, they won't eat, eat or you. kill you. It will be the best date ever. <laughs> yeah. I would like to do speed dating, though, with cryptids. So I want like multiple. Mm-hmm. But my point is that if they were eaten by werewolves or if they were killed by, you know, other people on the land, whether it may be like natives or others who were, I'm going to say colonizing, but stealing land. You would think that there would be a trace of that. There would be blood. There would be bodies. There would be something for some type of evidence for people to find. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's also, I mean, not to go back to cannibals, but I was just at the Cannibal Museum not too long ago. It is your cannibal and there's no, year. Aside from like Jamestown with with uh, John Smith and yeah. in Jamestown, Virginia, and, and that, we know there was cannibalism there. There's no evidence of cannibalism happening at all in the East Coast of North America. So, like, the Native tribes didn't practice it in, in any which way. And from what we know, other colonies and people who were there, aside from Jamestown, didn't have to. But right. it does make me wonder, like, what if the colony of Roanoke, those 100 people, did cannibalize to get through winter? And survive. Yeah. And perhaps there'd be no no uh, evidence of that because they would, would take like the bones and ground them down into powder for like different ailments and different. Yeah. What if they literally used everything Every in part. the carcass? Yeah. And also people are like out of their mind at this point if they have to get to that point. And like, that, that you know, is true. It's easier for 20 people to, to kind of like disappear than it is for 100. But if they ate 80 of them, I don't know. Yeah. That's a, it's just hard to know. And I feel like. We never will. It's one of those things, and I think we've asked this question before or posed this question before, and this is something that I'd be curious for other people to answer. If, say when you die, you can ask to whatever gatekeeper, ferryman, whoever is to guide you on to the next. The ferryman. The ferryman. (laughs) I like it. If you could ask. There's no more angels. There's just ferryman. Ferryman. Um, If you could ask one question to get an answer to, what would the question be? And one of them that, you know, I don't want to waste it on this because it's like, you know, it doesn't really like change anything. But one of the questions that would be so fascinating to me to find the answer to is what happened to the lost colony of Roanoke? The other other ones that I would like to know is, are aliens real? Um, what is the point of life? What is happiness? Um, 
What else? Who killed John Benet Ramsey? Who was the Zodiac? I feel like. Who was. um, Who's the Zodiac killer? Not Zodiac. um, Because didn't they recently discover who the Zodiac killer was? Who's the. Jack the Ripper. That's one I would want to know. Jack the Ripper. Yes. Also Boston Strangler. Like that was never found. There's just so. There's so much. Um, I think there's a cheat code to this, Sabrina. Okay. I think you ask, what are all the secrets in the Milky Way galaxy? <gasps> oh. And, because and then how much time do you list. have? Well, that's why I said Milky Way galaxy, right? Yeah. Because like the universe, then it's like, oh, well, forget that. Like you'll never get through that. But Milky Way galaxy, at least you can be like, get a little intel on aliens coming and going throughout the galaxy. Yeah. Maybe some other other planets and life. Yeah. Wait, this is... Or you okay. could just say our solar system. Really, really make it... Why am I so bright? I think, yeah. Whoa, it just keeps ebbing and flowing. I don't know what's going on. Maybe... Oh my gosh. It's like Stranger my, Things my where your light is like trying to communicate with you. Like you're onto something, Corinne. Remember yeah. this. It is like if you have like three wishes from a genie and you mm-hmm. wish for more wishes, it's kind of like you're cheating the system, but it also is a good cheat. I like it. Me too. My goal, though, uh, okay. is to um, learn all the secrets and then become the person who shares secrets with people moving forward. Who tells the secrets. Mm-hmm. Yes. You are the secret teller. Yeah. I'll the have like a really teller. cool like white robe, but with like fluffy feathers everywhere. And I'll have like a massive desk with a really tall chair and I'll sit behind it and like kind of like sit there with my fingers like this and like a big smile on my face and people come sit bes- bes- like in front of me to ask me their questions. And if they pay $39.99 a month, they can have you hologrammed into their own home so they don't mm. have to venture to you for all the, the secrets of the universe. Yeah. That's it. No. Yeah. Capitalize on it. Oh, of course. It's a business model always with us. Right. We're thinking about money here. <laughs> Two girls, one business. <laughs> well, Two girls, about a thousand money. businesses. We're trying to manifest money, 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 come money, to money, me. money, 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 come to me. Okay. I have a story. This is from our listener, Jade, and it's called Demon Following Me, question mark. This is, again, kind of like last week, I found like camping-related stories because I couldn't find any specifically to Roanoke, mm. and um, so here it is. That's Hi. good. No one's been cursed or seen the werewolf. That we know of. Maybe they haven't survived to tell the tale. Right in. Oh, oh dark. <laughs> what? I mean, I'm like, email us. People are thinking like, about they it. They died. <laughs> they can't. They're already dead. <laughs> but now they're on the other side and have all the answers, so... I don't know. So email us. <laughs> yeah. Come um, EVP into our episode, please. Hi, my name is Jade, and I have a series of experiences that I think may all be related to a dark entity that I encountered at a summer camp. Mm-hmm. I have always been sensitive to the paranormal, and I am an empath. So starting from the beginning of where I think I picked up my dark hitchhiker, I was in elementary school probably about fourth grade, and my friends had convinced me to go to a 4-H camp with them. The first year, nothing seemed out of the ordinary except the night we spent by the large campfire. I had an eerie feeling that something had its eye on me. The next year was worse. My friends and I loaded onto a bus and set out for the camp. We had the same counselor as the year before, but a different cabin, and I could immediately tell walking into that room that something was off. Side note, this cabin was also closer to the fire pit. There was a dark energy in the corner. I obviously stayed away from it and didn't say anything to anyone because didn't want to be labeled as the weird kid. The first two days went by relatively normal, even though I still felt super uncomfortable in our cabin. The third day, however, was super weird. I was exploring the camp during free time and was what only I can describe as pulled towards the fire pit. Now, this pit was huge. It had to be at least 20 feet in diameter 
or at least that's what it looked like to a nine-year-old. So I start walking the perimeter of the circle, and the more I walked, the more I felt and saw. I walked for about five minutes, around and around. Oof, just, can you imagine witnessing someone like in a trance, just circling, whoa, the same 20 feet circle over and over in like a weird, oh, creepy. It's so scary. It reminds me of, I don't remember when we did this, but there was a certain place where if you walked around it like 13 times at a certain- Yes, it was a Halloween episode. A Halloween episode, yeah. It might've been our first one or second year. It was about witches, right? Because there's like that church, yeah. Yeah, we got to go. In Spain? Is it in Spain? Somewhere in Europe. Your memory is better than mine. You Even you covered it, but it stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for about five minutes, I walked around and around. Feeling something dark coming over me, I saw a girl in a white dress with long black hair standing in the middle of the fire pit itself. Though I never looked directly at her, I knew she was there. Towards the end of my walk, a couple other campers found me and asked what I was doing. And I stated that I was just taking a little walk for a few minutes. That's when they informed me that I had been missing for two hours. What? My counselor came up to me and asked if I was okay. And I told her, no, something's here. She began to pray over me until I felt a little more normal. And we made our way back to our cabin. And that's when everyone saw the dark corner. The cabin had LED ceiling lights, making it almost impossible for anywhere to be dark. But that corner was dark. Again, my counselor began praying for peace and protection until she felt it was safe. The rest of the week went normal except for the bonfire night where I felt like something was trying to crawl out of the ground from the woods behind us and make its way towards me. Ew. Oh, God. We No, left. this is the worst camp experience ever. And it sucks because it's like only happening to Jade. Right. We left is the next Jade's day. Is Jade's friend there with... With Jade? Yeah, Jade was with a bunch of people, but like only Jade was having these terrible, something oh was coming for Jade specifically. Right. We left the next day and all returned home safe and sound, and I didn't have any experiences out of the normal. I say out of normal because I'm used to seeing shadow people and glitches in time where a spirit is stuck. Wow. So Jade's already just like open to the paranormal. Right. Around the time I was 11 or 12 years old and I made some friends that were older than me. I felt so cool. But one night we were hanging out and one of my friends, who I will call D, pulled out her Ouija board. Mistake. I know, but I was young and wanted to be cool around my older friends. So I participated. We spoke to a few different entities before our last one, whose name was May. May seemed nice at first, but ended up scratching one of my friends who was drunk at the time and taunting the entity. So obviously we stopped playing and put away the board until the next day. We played with the Ouija board for three days straight and every time, we always met with May. Eventually, my friend realized that she was not wiping the board before saying goodbye. I stopped playing with it altogether. I didn't want anything to become attached to me, but newsflash, it may have been too late. <laughs> Anytime I would bring up the story, I always got a sick feeling in my stomach or a headache. Even now writing this, I feel weird. I didn't have many encounters out of the, order for, out of, out of the ordinary for many years. Until I began to think about converting to Christianity. When I was thinking about this, I had a dream that I had been possessed and I was outside of my body watching my boyfriend's father perform an exorcism on me. And then I was whooshed inside my body and I was hiding in a dark corner, terrified of whatever was inside of me. Then in the dream, I get the courage to look up and there's this bright light. And in the center of this powerful aura was Jesus. Jesus. 
He outstretched his hand to me for me to take it. And when I did, I woke up. This confirmed what I had been feeling and I decided to be saved, but whatever was lingering around me was upset. I woke up one night and felt someone sit on my side of the bed. I woke up my boyfriend and he prayed over me, but I couldn't go back to sleep. So we played video games until I fell asleep on the couch. And now a bit of a backstory for this next one. I was driving an older car and the windows had begun to randomly slide down. One night I was driving home from my mom's house and the windows in the back were stuck down, which was fine with me because it was middle of summer and the air felt nice, but it was definitely not fine. As I'm driving, I come up to the normal stop sign that is on the way back to my house, but this time it's different. I look over into a person's yard and see a literal demon standing there. I can mentally, I can't even imagine what it would look like. Well, what's worse is Jade says, I can mentally feel it crawling into the back of my car as I'm stopped. I immediately call my boyfriend and pray until I get home safe. The next one is a real doozy and warning. It's the most horrible thing I've ever experienced and couldn't sleep for days. So if you want to leave it out, feel free. Well, I'm, I'm concerned because already these things feel like the worst thing that could happen. Okay, so trigger warning if people don't want to um, listen to this. And this is something that we've talked about in past where it's like entities putting really horrific images into your brain. So it does involve dark thoughts, um, a death of a child. So if anyone wants to skip forward. Okay. Okay. One night I had a dream. It was an incredibly vivid dream. My boyfriend and two friends of ours went to this comedy club looking movie theater to watch a new movie. Well, when the movie was about to start, I could hear loud rumbling and wailing. And I mean the type of soul-shredding wailing that you can't imagine until you've heard it. I realize I'm the only one who can move. I look around at everyone, but they're all like standing, like statues with their eyes glued to the screen behind me. It's very um, Halloween town. Yes. I turn around and I see this vision. It's of an old, frail-looking woman killing an infant. Then it cuts to two little girls seeing what she's doing, and while they try to escape, she manages to kill one while the other runs to the police. That's when I woke up, hysterically crying and covered in sweat. I haven't had anything happen after that. I guess maybe the demon realized I wasn't giving up my newfound faith, but every now and then I still have nightmares. Nothing as horrible as that one, though. I'm not sure. Maybe I picked up a demon at some point. Thanks for all you guys do. Hearing other stories makes me feel less alone in my experiences. Maybe next time I'll email you about how my mother's grandfather was known for practicing black magic and her encounters with him. Until next time, see you on the other side, Jade. Damn, Jade. I'm sorry Yeah, all of that happened. I'm also starting to think that perhaps the uh, maternal great-grandfather, maybe some residual yeah, family. demon hauntings yeah, yeah. from that, that dark, darker practice, depending on what he did. Yeah, I'm uh, curious. So yeah, please send us, please send us yeah, that information. Know. And wow. I mean, it does sound like Jade is very open. So it's very possible that there was a dark yes. entity, a demon or something at this summer camp. And because Jade could see it or feel it, whatever it might be, it like latched on. It was like, oh, I found my mm-hmm. prey, basically. And it then followed Jade. And I'm, you know, I think we've talked about before how dark entities, I think, tend to take on people who are trying to find spirituality or religion as like a challenge. Yep. And as Jade is trying to decide if like, oh, do I, you know, find Christianity and get involved with this spirituality? Right. The demon's like, okay, but if you want to do that, let me show you these horrifying images and terrify you and try to weaken you and weaken your 
desire for that. Well, because, yeah, to your point, when people seek out different religions or spirituality, oftentimes there's there's a bit of vulnerability that comes with it. Not everyone walks so confidently into a religion. Like some of it is about finding yourself and finding what makes you feel good and what makes the most sense for you and your soul and and matches and aligns with you. And so you do have this sort of self-discovery process along the way, which does open you up because you yourself are trying to to find areas of yourself that you don't know. And so that's your easy prey. Yeah, which is so devastating. And oh, I feel like you read a story recently where maybe it was on the Creeps and Crimes episode where the listener was talking about the nightmares and it was very similar where it was an entity showing deaths mm-hmm. of children. Yes, it was. There was a part that I didn't even read because it yeah. was so dark. <gasps> we'll have to read but that. But we will be reading day. that on a yeah. future episode too because that's a uh, we'll, we'll, we'll oh, give it so intense a moment to shine again. But we'll we'll get through our our uh, <laughs> the next few weeks, which is hopefully going a to be dark. Bit lighter? No, but it's a yeah. Maybe I'll read it in one of those. <laughs> yeah, October is gonna be very one dark. For October. Yeah. October is um, super dark. Wow. Wait, Corinne, first of all, you are incredible. I am so proud of you for doing our very Thanks. first two-parter. The two-parter. I know I was nervous. It was Thank amazing. You. It was so, so good. I put about a hundred times more time and effort into doing this because I was so nervous. <laughs> I know. I felt that but, way too. But no, you did incredible. And I feel like I learned you. so much about Roanoke. And I had listened to some other podcast just so I could be part of the conversation and, you know, have s- some knowledge and not be like, what? Uh, drool coming out of my mouth. Um, and I Whoa, feel like I learned really? so much more from you than I did from anyone else. So, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's high praise. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. 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 <laughs> the one will. Wow. Wow. Thank you. So I everyone mean, give Corinne like, some love because she did great. This is me saying comments. Say you know? nothing mean to me for the next 300 years. I don't deserve it. She doesn't deserve it. <laughs> this is. I'm going to run with this for the rest of my life. I did two parts of Roanoke and I told people things. Pat on my back. Um, this is. I mean, Roanoke is a really big one. Like, yeah. There's so much more too, but but I think it's it's one of those things that's going to – it's a mystery that will continue to unravel yeah. because – more information and more archaeologists and experts and historians and, and researchers that yeah, know a lot more than, than just us, we podcasters, yeah. they continue to find things. So maybe we'll eventually have a part three if there's some massive discovery. <gasps> that would be really cool. Yeah. And yeah. if you know anything about Roanoke or if you've visited or had any encounters while there, please email them to us. Or if you've had any paranormal experience Keep in mind, October is our month of demon stories. So if you've had, oh, yeah. if you've been possessed, you know someone who's been possessed. If you would like to be possessed, if you've tried, I don't know, if you've sold your soul to the devil, tell us. Um, email us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review on iTunes and tell everybody you know about the podcast. Those yes. are two things that help us exponentially. Exponentially. And don't you want to be a part of the triangle, the TGOG yeah. triangle? Duh. It's a pyramid scheme, so get in, loser. I'll give you a discount when um I have all the answers at my desk. I'll give you it. It will be a f- discount if you're part of the pyramid scheme. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Dis- you heard it here first. If you want the secrets of the universe, if you want thirteen percent off the secrets <laughs> of the universe, you gotta get join it now. the pyramid now. This join is a limited time offer for <laughs> sixty six days. Uh, we also have YouTube. We have Instagram. Mm-hmm. We have TikTok. Yeah, the social medias. Uh, so you can follow us there. And also given that it is spooky season, this is the best time to rock some of our merch. So head on over to two girls, one ghost.com. 
and shop our merch. Get some there. merch. We have like a cute little uh, sweatshirt set coming out. Oh yeah, perfect. By for the time warm this episode weather. comes out, it's either yes. about to come out or it's already out, which is really exciting. Woo! All right, we love you. And all. thank you. Oh yes, to Upfire Digital. Thank you, the team at Upfire Digital for editing both our audio and also our video. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aiden, Max, Eric, everybody there. We've been with you for five years now. So this is awesome. We're honored. Thank you. We love you. And we love all of you. We do. And so that's why we do hope we get to meet you one day and see you on this side. But if we do not, we will see see you on on the the other other side. side.